The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. Thanks so much for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. I'm John Engelhart. Uh, with me this evening, our first guest will be uh, a classic trainer, a trainer that's won classics and many grade one races. And that'll be one Kenny McPeak. Uh, we're going to ask uh, Kenny some questions about how he's looking at the three-year-old division this year, how his uh, top uh, sophomore uh, frack daddy's doing, and the evolution of his iPhone app, Horse Races Now. And then we'll be talking to the guy who uh, heads up all the handicappers with the daily racing form. He's going to help us do our handicapping. That's Dan Illman. Uh, the races we'll be looking at this week, or, uh, some of them will be getting points uh, for the Derby Trail, uh, starting with the uh, Gotham at Aqueduct. Uh, every horse in the race is nominated to the Triple Crown. Then we're going to go to a very, very competitive race, the Tom Fool Handicap at Aqueduct. Kind of interesting here that trainer Peter Miller is bringing in Kama to the top, who pretty much races exclusively on the West Coast, a very, very fast horse. We'll see what Dan thinks about that, Shipper. And then, of course, the Santa Anita Handicap, uh, a legendary race that's going to pit together Three outstanding horses, one being Game On Dude, the other Richard's Kid, and Ron the Greek, who won this race coming from 10th last year. And then a race that may be a prep for the Florida Derby. I don't believe you're going to get Derby points because it's not a two-turn race. But the Swale, nonetheless, has brought together a very talented group of individuals. Uh, the majority of the field is nominated for the Triple Crown. So a good run in the Swale over the Gulfstream Strip and then a win in the Florida Derby. That should get the job done to get into the Kentucky Derby for one of the horses. So, again, Dan Elman will be our guest handicapper. Uh, let's... Uh, Started off with the good news department. Rachel Alexander's veterinarians say that they could not be happier uh, with her uh, progress. Uh, as you know, the uh, 2009 Horse of the Year had complications after following a uh, Bernardini colt. Uh, Stone Street Farm uh, has released uh, a uh, press release saying that she's been taken off all intravenous fluids and nutrition, and uh, she's getting small amounts of solid food, and uh, everything seems to be progressing very well. They're able to get her out of the stall. Uh, she does a little bit of grazing, and uh, so let's keep our fingers crossed. Again, because of this setback, uh, Rachel most probably will miss this breeding season. Hopefully, though, she'll have uh, you know 11 good months to, to heal up and be back in the breeding shed uh, next year. Well, uh, the names have been announced for 
Racing's Hall of Fame, and boy, it is going to be a tough vote this year. Uh, it's led by five jockeys, uh, including uh, Derby winners uh, Chris Antley, uh, Calvin Burrell, Craig Perrette. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see the outcome of uh, the Racing Hall of Fame. Let's take a look at some of the other uh, inductees, well, not inductees, but nominees. Uh, one would be uh, uh, Garrett Gomez, Alex Solis, uh, trainer Gary Jones, um, from the final ten that have been nominated, four will go in to the Hall of Fame. Of course, uh, you'll remember Antley was only 34 when he tragically died in, in 2000, and he'll be uh, best known for his ride aboard Charismatic um, in the Derby and Preakness, of course, that uh, very sad situation that happened in the Belmont Stakes. Then you got you got Calvin Burrell, three-time winner of the Kentucky Derby, and Calvin's still sitting on win number 4,999. Let's hope he gets to 5,000 this year. Craig Perret, how hard is it to believe he's 62 years old right now? He won over 4,415 races. Uh, he also won the Eclipse Award in 1990, the year he won the Derby on unbridled. Of course, Garrett Gomez just keeps go, go, going. He's a two-time Eclipse Award winner as a champion jockey, uh, still riding at Santa Anita, and of course, who will uh, not remember the classic on blame, uh, giving Zenyatta her only defeat of her career. Um, Garrett Jones is the trainer. Uh, he's been retired, but you might remember him best for uh, Best Pal. He just dominated... Uh, Southern California for for so many years, uh, and he claimed uh, he trained Eclipse Award winner Turco Man. Um, oh, I, I missed a Jackie Alex Solis, of course. Uh, Solis, another standout in Southern California. He's won riding titles at all three major tracks there. Um, of the horses, uh, a shadow who won the Kentucky Oaks and Breeders' Cup Distaff in 2004, and then you got Housebuster, a two-time Eclipse Award-winning sprinter in '90 and '91, and then Invasor, the Argentina bred, who won the 2006 Breeders' Cup Classic, and then uh, down at Claiborne Farm, uh, there's Lure. He's still residing there. Won 14 of 25 starts, consecutive runnings of the Breeders' Cup Mile. So that's a look and it'll be very interesting to see who eventually makes it again only four of the ten will will get to make it at uh, saratoga when they go into the hall of fame okay uh, mario pino um he was uh, honored with the george wolf award and uh of course this award is voted upon by his fellow riders and from everybody i've talked to i they just emphasize what a class act he was. The other finalists, you may recall, were uh, Javier Castellano, Perry Compton, David Flores, and Rodney Prescott, who we had on the show not too, not too long ago. So congratulations to uh, Mario Pino, uh, just one of the class acts and certainly top riders um, in, the, uh, in, the, in the Maryland area. You might remember he rode uh, Hard Spun and uh, won several graded stakes races with Hard Spun and finished second in the Kentucky Derby the year he rode him. Uh, local boy makes good. Edgar Paukar uh, won win number 2000 at, at Beulah Park. And uh, Paukar came out of the Peruvian jockey school, uh, the same as uh, Rafael Bayerano 
and uh, Edgar Prado, <clears throat> and I, I, I know Edgar personally, and uh, he's just an outstanding uh, husband, a class act, and he's never lost his lessons. You, you can watch from the press box and, and see him. He'll, he'll jog the track, uh, pre-races, and then he goes into one of the saddling stalls and does kind of a yoga thing and stretches out. He's always ready for the races. Very dedicated rider. Congratulations to Edgar Paukar on win number 2,000. And the comeback kid, he's made it, Painter. I don't know how many times we've had to give reports about Painter over the last year and uh, the fact that, uh, you know, he was able to uh, survive uh, laminitis and uh, other ailments. Uh, Of course, uh, he is back in training now with Bob Baffert and worked 36 seconds flat for three furlongs on Tuesday. So that is just a great comeback story. Uh, Painter is going to be okay from what Bob Baffert has to say. All right, uh, we did have some races that had some points. We'll be talking about them here in just a minute or two. And uh, right now, if you want to get in the Kentucky Derby, uh, these are the horses you got to finish ahead of. Um, I've struck a nerve is at the top. Uh, Orb is second. Violence, who's sad to say uh, damaged a sesamoid in his race in Florida, is listed as third, but he will not be going uh, into the Kentucky Derby. We just uh, we hope that he recuperates and uh, looks like he'd be off to the uh, stallion shed next year. Then Shanghai Bobby uh, checks in, uh, Golden Sense, Code West, Oxbow, and Speak Logistics. Those are the top eight uh, for the Kentucky Derby. Now, here's something really interesting. I was reading Jeff Scott in the Saratogian, and, you know, we talk about the, the point system and how you get in and, how, you know, that you need to get in the races now, and we just named the top eight horses that already have points. Well, by this time, in five of the past six years, the eventual Derby winner had yet to make his first start of the year. Let me give you some names. I'll have another Animal Kingdom, Super Saber, Mind That Bird, Big Brown, and Street Sense. So think about that. They had not even made their first start. But uh, nonetheless, things have been sped along a little bit about that. Of course, uh, despite the weights, the race will be handicapping uh, with uh, Dan Illman, uh, will be the big cap, as they call it, out at Santa Anita. This is a race that's been won by Seabiscuit, Noor, Roundtable, Akak, Cougar, Affirm, Spectacular Bid, John Henry, Ellie Sheba, Best Pal, Tis Now, Lavaman. Bob Baffert doesn't like the weight that he's got to spot because he's got to give Ron the Greek, last year's winner, some pounds. But nonetheless, it looks like he's going to post. And if you happen to be in Florida and you're looking for a good time, well, there's going to be an open roast of jockey Bobby Ussery, it's going to be at the Luca Bella Restaurant in Aventura, Florida. So uh, this is being put on by Bill and Mary Hirsch. They're coordinating it. They do these uh, dinners um, all all season long. And uh, I think they do like four a year. And so anyhow, it's, it's for Bobby Ussery. Here's the number. You remember, these shows are on podcasts, so you can uh, – if you don't have a pen in hand right now, look it up. You're in the Florida area. You want to have a good time. 954-454-9375. 954-454-9375. Bill and Mary Hirsch, if you want to have a fun night with Bobby Ussery, and you're, you're more than welcome to, uh, to come up and, and share your stories, too. All right, uh, we've, got, uh, we've got more news, but before we, we get to the news, 
Let's go back and uh, take a look at, at some of uh, last week's uh, races that we handicapped. Marcus Hirsch from the Daily Racing Forum helped us out. Of course, he, he's based down at the fairgrounds. And we started off with the Risen Star. And this time of year, you never know who's going to jump to the top. And they sure didn't know at the betting windows. As I've struck a nerve, a Keith DeSormo trainee with James Graham up went off at 99-1 to and got the job done. This was a great race. There were four of them across at the finish. And uh, I think you're going to see several of these horses come back in the Louisiana Derby. I would not be uh, surprised. So, uh, I'll, I've struck a nerve with James Graham up, paid two seventy two forty. A really nice effort in second was Code West, who uh, was passed in the stretch by pretty much the top three and then started coming back on the rail. He looked really good. And in the third spot was Palace Malice. So, again, I would certainly expect uh, to see a, uh, a repeat of many of these horses. It was such a close race. Uh, to come back into the Louisiana Derby. All right, another very exciting race uh, with one tragic outcome was the Fountain of Youth. Again, Derby points involved here. Violence went off the three to five favorite. He was rated in fourth along the rail, and then all of a sudden uh, Javier Castellano asked him for a move and gave a really nice move. Took the lead into the stretch, but at the furlong pole, making a huger move on the turn was Orb, trained by Shug McGahee. Johnny V was in the saddle, a beautiful, rousing ride through the final furlong, and he nailed Violence. I will say, Violence dug back in, and, uh, and it was a ways back to speak logistics. Sad to say, the next day did find out that Violence did hurt his sesamoid to the point that it's going to necessitate a retirement for him. So uh, look for Orb. You know, Shug McGay hasn't had many horses in the Derby. I think it was in the 80s, uh, the last starter he had. So this will be very, very interesting. Uh, this is a son of Malibu Moon. Of course, just uh, three weeks ago, we were speaking with the general manager down at Spendthrift Farm where Malibu Moon stands stud. All right. The Rachel Alexander, this was an easy win for a Pletcher trainee. It's a filly that's nominated to the Triple Crown, unlimited budget. Making only her third lifetime start, she's now undefeated. It was the first start of the year, starting down at the fairgrounds, and uh, put an outside rally in. You got three to two on unlimited budget, a daughter of Street Sense. Second was Promise Me More, a long shot at 20 to 1. And third was Blue Velvet at 12 to 1. Again, that was the grade three Rachel Alexandra. Now, the final race that we handicapped with, uh, with uh, uh, Marcus was the Devonna Dale at Gulfstream Park. Dreaming of Julia looked to be the standout in here, another combination of Pletcher and Velasquez. But Dreaming of Julia did not get the job done. The winner from wire to wire was Live Lively. Joel Rosario in the saddle for trainer Mark Hennig. Now, this horse had a big uh, win, breaking, you know, in the second uh, non-winners of two, 11.5 at Gulfstream. Horses that like Gulfstream like Gulfstream. So, uh, 
dreaming of, uh, I mean, Live Lively, trained by Mark Hennig, got the job done in wire-to-wire fashion. Uh, Dreaming of Julia was a very game second, and, uh, again, it was her first start since the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies where she ran third to Beholder and Executive Privilege. And in the third spot uh, down on the rail was Private Ensign. So uh, that's a look at last year's, uh, last week's races. And coming up after a short break, uh, we're going to be talking to one of my favorite trainers, an extremely successful man, not only as a trainer, but also as a businessman now. And that's Ken McPeak. You're listening to Winning Ponies. flagship station for sports voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball, deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me now, one of my favorite trainers, quite an accomplished man, uh, it's... uh is Kenny McPeak. He's won over 115 stakes races in his career, over 40 of them graded. I guess we can name drop a few of them. Sarava, who I saw at Old Friends not too long ago, who won the Belmont Stakes in a big upset. Uh, he won back-to-back spinster stakes with Take Charge Lady, who's turned out to be just an amazing uh, broodmare. Uh, he's won back-to-back Gulfstream Park handicaps with Hard Buck. And let's not forget a little old horse by the name of Harlan's Holiday, who won a slew graded races was a favorite in the derby and is now is turning out to be a preeminent sire um kenny though he's also doesn't just train horses he's quite a businessman uh, he's a graduate at the university of kentucky and uh he has developed the iphone app horse races now which means you can 
have every racetrack just sitting there in your pocket and pulling out the races when you want. I could go on, but I don't want to. Kenny McPeak, how you doing? I'm doing super, John. Thanks for having me. All right. I'm happy to. You're very media savvy. I like that. You, you know that people need to know more about racing. They like to hear it for somebody uh, that has some, some national uh, prominence. Now, w- one thing, we've, we had some, I won't say debates, but a lot of interest this year on, on this show in the Derby point system. It's funny. I'm seeing these races, you know, uh, the, the, the Gotham and uh, last week's uh, races uh, with the Fountain of Youth. A lot of times those races might may, maybe get eight horses. But I think with this mandatory point system, these are these have been fuller over flow fields and uh, i know you've got horses on the uh, on the derby trail what's your opinion of the point system well we'll all adapt to it um i kind of get i get what they're trying to do and actually it's kind of working in our favor this year i think if you run really well in the last couple of prep races i think they're going to give you a lot more credence um horses young horses could win let's say a young horse wins a bunch of sprint stakes in early in the middle of their two-year-old season, and then they kind of fizzle when they go the route distances, those horses are going to get eliminated. And and there, there were a lot of them, well, there were a list of them over the years that maybe won the Delta Jackpot that didn't, they would have gotten in automatically because that race had gotten grade three status. Yeah, I don't but, think we would have seen Trinenberg in last year's race, and quite frankly, as good of a sprinter as he is, he had no business going a mile and a quarter. Well, and, and, and so it's going to change the dynamic of that, and I think the horses that get in are going to be more true riders. That are The form's going to be more current, which is um, probably a good thing. So, I don't know, I'm, I'm one for change. I think change sometimes is positive, and, you know, we all kind of squeal and cry when you change something, but, you know, maybe, maybe it's better, and uh, let's give them a chance and see how it plays out. Well, I just think it'll be interesting, and, and I hope that they're flexible enough to go back and look at. I mean, you know, there's races like the Hutchinson, the Swell, I think the Santa Maria, perhaps. Nice seven furlong races, which you know as a trainer, sometimes your horse just isn't ready to go two turns right now for whatever reason. I hope that it should have really good horse come out of one of those races that they go back and maybe reevaluate the whole two-turn thing. But I agree with you. This does tell us that legitimate two-turn horses are, are going to end up in the starting gate. And quite frankly, by the time you add up the graded stakes earnings, it's going to be about the same anyhow. The two races that got the shaft, though, are the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Um, I think that that's wrong. That, that race should have gotten at least 50 points, if not 100. And the, um, the Illinois Derby, um, I don't get it. Um, I think that that's a very political move on the part of Churchill because of, you know, the competition between Arlington and Hawthorne. But to eliminate the – or to give no points to Illinois after War Emblem won the Derby, I think is needs to be revisited. And uh, the, the juvenile, you've got to let the champion in. I think that's that's just a – I mean, if you win the Breeders' Cup and you're, you're champion two-year-old, then there isn't any reason why that horse shouldn't give an, give an opportunity because it is a route race. Absolutely. Well, Kenny, here's a question I want to ask you. Um, When when I look at horses, you've discovered, maybe you didn't train them all, uh, Cathman Blue, Dream Empress, Tejano Run, Harlan's Holiday, Hard Buck, Repent, Take Charge Lady, some people don't realize, Curlin, uh, She's a Devil Do, Einstein is another, Noble's Promise. Um, You seem to have uh, developed a a keen sense of being able to to find an athletic individual. I I once asked D. Wayne Lucas 
uh, what it was back in his heyday when he was just knocking him dead coming out of the sales. I said, what is it different? I'm asking him basically the same question I'm asking you right now. He said, well, remember that kid's uh, uh, book that you used to have to, like, find the, the cat in the tree and things like that? He says, I can find the cat in the tree. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. what, what is it uh, that, that you see that um, allows you to find these athletes, Kenny? Well, what, Wayne's been a big influence on on how I learned to develop an eye for a horse. Not not anything he ever taught me, but I got tired of getting beat by him. <laughs> and, and um, you know, I was second in the Kentucky Derby at the age of 32, and he won it with Thunder Gulch. Of course, he, he didn't pick out Thunder Gulch. He bought him privately. And, and so I've always said, you know, when I went over there, I always said, well, I've got to run against, you know, whether it was Wayne Lucas or Billy Mott or, you know, years ago, I mean, shoot. I mean, Frankel, um, you know, now Todd Pletcher's got all the budget behind him. When you don't have a large budget, you have to sharpen your eye. You have to find the diamond in the rough and, and catch that before somebody else does. And most of those horses that you listed weren't extremely expensive horses. I think Repent was the most expensive, um, 220 or 230 um, Take Charge Lady was 175000 which that's a lot of money for, to a lot of people, but in the horse industry, it's not. And um, I think that's what I'm most proud of, is making more out of less and actually investing people's money wisely keeps them coming back. And, and um, it's hard to keep people in the horse business because it's such a difficult game, not only to win but financially, and uh, it takes a brave guy to do it. Well, you've done a good job at keeping people in the horse business, and you've kind of taken a step in, into the future in bringing handicappers, fans, perhaps trainers, uh, a step forward with the creation of your Horse Races Now app. I spoke to you probably about six months ago when the releases first came out on it. Can you tell me kind of how it's moved forward and, and where you're going with it, the, the, the kind of the evolution of the, the uh, horse races now? Well, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on. Um, on, a small, on a small note, for those of you out there that are you know, interested in what we're doing, if you text the word horse to 84700, it'll deliver the app to your telephone. So just punch in like you're dialing a, or dialing a number, 84700, text the word horse, and it doesn't matter whether you have an iPhone or an Android, it's going to deliver it to your phone. You simply click on the link, and it takes you to the app store that's appropriate for your, your device. So then what are they going to see? What's that? Then what are they going to see? Well, then what it's going to do is it brings you to the download page where you can download the app and put it on your phone. And um, when you get it on your phone, what it does is Every time, like if you follow a particular racetrack, a particular trainer, a horse, or a jockey, you can put just one of those in there. Then every time that particular horse, let's just use the horse as an example. If you put, if you put the Pure Fun, who's the good filly we've got right now going to the Oaks, every time she breezes, you're going to get a clock. You'll get the clocking time. It'll be delivered to your phone. How fast she went? What racetrack? What surface? What her ranking was on the time? Um, every time she's entered, you're going to get a, a the, the notification as a push notification that delivers it to your telephone. When she is 15 minutes to post, you're going to get the call of the bugle that lets you know that the race is getting ready to run, and then you get the the the, the horses are at the starting gate, 
You simply open that link, click the watch video link, and you're watching the race. Boom. I mean, you literally can be on a golf course. You could be at a wedding. You can be at your, you know, wherever you might be at whatever particular time of the day, at work, at play, and you'll never miss a horse race. Um, one of the things that, that we're working on is collecting the video. We just cut a deal, a verbal deal with Roberts Communications where we're, we will have all racetracks in North America, all thoroughbred, harness, quarter horse, and Arabian will be in the app on replays except for Churchill Downs' company. Churchill's four tracks will be the only tracks that won't be available video-wise. And we're, we're working on that one, too. We're, you know, this is one of these things, you know, it's, it's a real difficult project. There's a lot of people that have their position in the industry. You know, Equibase, the jockey club, you've got racetracks, you've got different corporations, and uh, it's it's been a Rubik's Cube in, in a sense. And well, you've um, done a great job, I'll tell you that. I mean, uh, just the effort, because as you know, that this younger generation coming up, they, they get more information off their phone than they do from their teachers. Well, and, and that's just it. I mean, this is what, what happened was is that I was watching a show one evening about phone apps, and it basically talked about the business of phone apps and how it worked. And I taped the show and, and, and studied it and, and made some notes and decided, well, actually Googled horse racing apps and found that there weren't any. And, and so when we, when we all are, you know, wondering how, how what's the easiest, quickest way to, to watch a ball game or whatever. I think the advantage of the horse racing industry is that our little two minutes on the racetrack or, or at the maximum four or five is really easy to watch on your telephone. But when you watch it on, I mean, watching it on TV is even better, but sometimes you can't be near TV and everybody's on the move nowadays. And who would have thought, you know, even 10 years ago, all the interesting things you can do on your telephone. You can Google. You can you, you can Google Earth. You can uh, you know get text messages. You can Twitter. I mean, the the apps that are out there are absolutely amazing. And I'll be honest with you, we made one of the best ones you'll ever find. I mean, it is cool. It's it's quick. It's efficient. Works well. Um, you know, I'm really proud of it. I mean, we've got a team of people. The Jockey Club helped us with it. Um, Equibase has been great. You know, we have to pay them. Roberts Communications is is great. We have to pay them for video too. And ultimately, we'll have to charge a small fee for video. But in in the meantime, it's growing. Forty thousand downloads in eighty six countries. And we're gonna we're gonna we're working on trying to get some sort of national ad campaign where we can actually get out there where people know horse races now. The phone application it exists. I mean. One lady said to me one day, you know what's wrong with this app, Kenny? I said, please, tell me. We're listening to everything. She said, not enough people know about it. Well, uh, we're doing our best right now here on Winning Ponies because the people you're talking to are players. That's why that's why they're listening to Winning Ponies, and that's why they take advantage of the Winning Ponies website. So, uh, you know, uh, again, ladies and gentlemen, uh, as Kenny told you, put in the word horse, and then the numbers eight four seven zero zero and you will be off and running kenny i'm up against a commercial break but uh as always it's a pleasure to talk to you and uh, thanks so much for being a part of winning ponies 
Anytime, John. Okay, you know I'm not afraid to dial you up. We'll be in touch, Kenny. All right, take care. Take care. All right, Kenny McPeak, ladies and gentlemen, a top trainer and uh, a bit of a business executive, too. And, again, the uh, horse race is now a very interesting uh, app. Well, coming up next, we've got an interesting individual, and it's going to be Dan Illman is going to be with us from the Daily Racing Forum. So we're going to take a break, and let's get capping. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Every Wednesday, you'll want to talk sports with touchdown Tony Collins and his co-host Bill Mattis. Tony's broken records and has been to the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. We'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news, action, and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world. We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune into Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins, Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me now is Dan Elman from the Daily Racing Forum. Uh, he's the form's handicapping editor, so all I can say is uh, th- this guy has got one great stable to work with. As you know, we've had a slew of uh, the handicappers from the Daily Racing Forum here on Winning Ponies. Uh, Dan, uh, he put together the DVD, Trip Handicapping, which quite frankly is probably my favorite method of handicapping. Uh, he also authored uh, Betting Maidens and Two-Year-Olds. Uh, you've seen him on ESPN, TVG, HRTV. And uh, so with us right now uh, from uh, the New York area where he, where he grew up is Dan Illman. Dan, how are you doing? Doing great, John. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Well, I, I love the DRF staff. There's, there's no doubt about it. Uh, since this is the first time I've had you on, can you kind of introduce yourself to our audience and tell them how you got to be the handicapping editor of the Daily Racing Forum? When did you get the bug? I'd like to say pure, unadulterated luck, John. Um, I've been going to the racetrack with my father and my great-uncle ever since I can remember. I was probably five years old or six years old, and they took me to Belmont. And I just remember 
looking out over the track and saying to myself, wow, this is something I want to be involved with. And after college, I got a job with Sportseye, the harness racing newspaper. I had worked with horses on the backstretch. I, I just had the bug always to be around horses, to be around handicapping. And handicapping and solving this puzzle, uh, this, this never-ending puzzle to me, has always been exciting and intellectually challenging. And, of course, if you can do it right, you can make money as well. After Sportseye, I have been with the daily racing form now for 15 years and i guess someone thought i was okay so <laughs> handicapping editor here i am um what's it like uh i mean you're you're in the, the press boxes in in new york which i think have some of the most talented handicappers you know what, what's it like being around uh you know watchmaker and, and guys like that all the time like you said it really is an intellectual challenge it's there's a competition there i'd say there's a friendly rivalry among all handicappers and that's what's great about the game and what's great about paramutual wagering is that we're not betting against the house we're betting against each other and i there's always a little bit of ego involved in gambling and anyone says uh that there's not uh, they're lying <laughs> i think we all try to one up each other we all try to find hidden nuggets that might not be in the past performance whether it's a, a bloodline or a, or a trip uh, or a workout that might you know not that would not be readily there on the page but someone saw something during the workout and, and it gets people excited and we try to one up each other with our picks it's very very competitive uh, and again we're betting against each other so uh, it's 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 a great challenge it's a great uh, intellectual uh, game but also if you win if you can take uh, some of their money it's 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 pretty good because you know these are tough guys. Now in your in your situation, which is an enviable one certainly for anybody in our audience, what is a, a day in the life of Dan Elman like? Well, Dan, the life of Dan Elman is uh, getting up and either going to the uh, daily racing form offices in New York City or heading out to uh, some of the race tracks and. Uh, I, I try to keep in touch with as many trainers as possible uh, to see how their horses are doing. I keep a uh, spreadsheet of horses that might be on the sidelines or on the disabled list, uh, and I can. And when they start working out again, I, I do my very best to to tweet them out. You can catch me on Twitter, tweet, uh, Twitter at uh, at drf uh, underscore dan Ullman. Um, also, uh, I write a blog at Daily Racing Form several times a week. We try to get very interactive and answer all of your questions and post past performance requests and get you up to date with as much news and notes as possible. And then there's the handicapping. You can catch me and uh, Mike Beer, who's an excellent handicapper on DRF.com with our DRF Race of the Day videos. We do all of the graded stakes every weekend video analysis on DRF.com. And for me, handicapping is a very visual art. Everyone has numbers and speed figures. Uh, I try to look within those speed figures by trip handicapping. How is that number earned? I think that's the most important part of handicapping, whether to see if one of those big numbers was earned by a perfect trip. Well, I don't want to play that horse. I want to play a horse that might not have those big numbers, but might have been compromised a bit and perhaps overcame a little bit of adversity. Um, a lot of handicapping, a lot of video work, a lot of talking to trainers, a lot of writing. I'm doing the Under the Radar column right now for the uh, DRF.com website for Kentucky Derby horses that might not had, uh, get a lot of press right now. We're not going to be talking about, certainly, the overanalyze and the Verrazano and the revolutionaries, but maybe horses that are just a little bit under the radar that might surprise come Derby Day. So there's always a lot going on. It's an exciting time of year, and it's a really exciting weekend of racing. Well, you gave me the perfect segue. You're there in New York. Yeah, talk about horses that, that you've seen race uh, at Aqueduct. 
the 61st running of the Gotham. It's a grade three. You're getting derby points. Uh, every horse in here is a triple crown nominee. I asked you to handicap this race. What came to the surface, Dan? All I know is whenever someone asks me what's the first thing I look for in handicapping a race, I say to myself, who's the favorite and can I beat the favorite? The favorite in the Gotham, and deservedly so, is the number 11 overanalyzed based on his win in the Remsen, and it's Todd Pletcher and John Velasquez, and he has a 99 buyer speed figure staring you right in the face. Overanalyze is the kind of horse that you use in the pick fours because you don't want to beat your head against the wall when he beats you as the favorite. But in a single race standpoint, I just can't take overanalyze going two turns in his seasonal debut from a terrible outside post and giving weight to every single horse save Vijack. I gotta look for a price horse in here. Vijack's not gonna be that price horse. He's the second choice. He's undefeated. I've always had distance concerns with him. I realize he wanted a mile and 70 yards most recently, but I also think he, uh, thought he took advantage of a, of a speed-favoring track, and there's other pace in here. John, you're going to think I'm nuts. I'm going to come up with just a completely wacky long shot and take a chance. If I'm going to swing, I'm going to swing for the fences. The number 10 West Hills Giants likely to go off in the 20 or 30 to 1 range. And on pure form, deservedly so. His best fire speed figure is only an 83. He's a New York bred tackling older company. But he's going out for John Terranova and Jose Espinosa, who won the Sam Davis uh, a couple of weeks ago with Falling Sky. And West Hill Giants has only raced twice on dirt. He's raced well both times, once against a weak field at Finger Lakes. But he overcame a terrible beginning to win that race. And most recently, his first start in several months over a wet track at a distance that might be short of his best. He was down inside every step of the way, and I don't think he liked that at all. The blinkers come on. He's stretching out to a distance where he's been successful in the past. There's going to be some pace for him to run at. And, heck, I think this is a race where we can try to take a swing against the favorites. There are many promising horses. Why not West Hills Giant at 20-1? to 1? Well, I, I don't have uh, odds in front of me. I prefer to handicap that way. Mm -hmm. And my long shot play in here was El Noe, if I'm sure. saying it right. I, what are the odds on number eight, El Noe, one of the three Karen McLaughlin horses in here? He's eight to one. And, John, let me tell you, I think this horse has a ton of potential and might have the most upside potential of any horse in this race. And I won't argue with anyone that likes him. His most recent start was his first time around two turns. It was only a maiden race. It only earned a 79 buyer speed figure. But the pace figures for that race were extremely strong. And that indicates to me that El Nawi might be able to handle this step up in class. He's also getting Lasix. He's beautifully bred. Uh, I think you might be on the right long shot. I'm going to be using a little bit of El Nawi as well. Wow. Well, that, that, that's great to hear. Hey, by the way, uh, since both of El Nawi's races were on uh, sloppy and muddy tracks, what's the weather prediction for uh, New York this weekend? So far, so good, and I'm going to be keeping my fingers crossed because you never know around here. The weather's been fluctuating uh, back and forth, cold and hot, rain and dry. But it was a nice day today, and so far the weather is supposed to be fast on Saturday. Uh, the main track, at least, uh, the inner track and in aqueduct is supposed to be fast, and I don't think it's going to be a problem for El Nawi at all. I think he's going to enjoy it. Well, I uh, enjoyed it the last time out. Um, kind of threw a curve at you here. You know, I, I contacted you in the week. I was going to play the girls' race. But, boy, when I took a look at the Tom Fool handicap, you know, a, a bigger field, 
a very interesting field with the you know the the one two finishers of the toboggan coming out of here. And all of a sudden, I look down, and I see Peter Miller is bringing Comet to the top, who's always been a West Coast horse. Uh, and a very talented one at that, into this race. And I just thought, you know, th- this race, uh, anything could happen in, in here, you know. Uh, and I just wanted to see who Dan Elman liked because, I, you know, again, you want to talk about a Rubik's Cube, here is one. This is a, a remarkable race, as you said, and it's really sporting of Peter Miller and Mr. Barber to run Comet at the top off basically a one-week layoff. He ran so well in the San Carlos last week where he was caught in a, in a ridiculous pace battle for the first half mile, and he fought it out all the way to the wire only to be gobbled up in the final strides by a couple of closers that benefited from that fast duel. I think Comet at the top is the fastest horse out of the gate, and he's going to be showing the way in the Tom Fool, and turning back to six furlongs is going to help him. But there's another horse in this race that I've always been fascinated with that has never really lived up to his potential due to all sorts of physical ailments. And that's the other Southern California invader, the number 10 Smash. Smash has only run seven times in his career, which is noteworthy because he's now five years old. But he's earned triple-digit buyer speed figures on three of those occasions. And he's always had just a touch of talent and a touch of buzz around him. He's only raced once since December of 2011. Right. And that was most recently in the Vernon Underwood. And he earned a 97 buyer, and I think he was ridden the wrong way that day. He was involved in a three-ply speed duel while down on the inside, and he just backed out of it against Smiling Tiger, a very good horse, and Private Zone, a very hot horse. I think Smash needs to be taken off of the pace, and the hot-riding Irod Ortiz Jr., I believe, is going to do just that. He has a very comfortable outside post position with speed to track. You've got to trust that Bob Baffert's going to have this one ready. Again, he only has that one race since 2011. But Smash has always shown me a lot of ability, and hopefully, hopefully he's feeling good when he gets up on Saturday morning, because that's really been his main problem. It's never been a lack of talent. I'm hoping he can stalk and pounce. He's going to be my top selection in there. A uh, comet of the tops of horse I would certainly use in the pick four. And maybe I'd use a little bit of the number eight off the Jake, who goes out for the Parboo family of Trinneberg fame. Now, this one won the Sunshine Million Sprint over a sloppy track. Too bad. Look pretty good in doing it. And I'm just going to draw a line through his most recent turf race where he broke poorly. He's going to be closer this time around. He's 6-1 to one on the morning line. He might be uh, an intriguing horse to use, but for me, I'm going to give a tepid nod to Smash in a great rendition of the Tom Fool. Well, it's funny. My, looking at my notes, you know, Smash, the comment I have is soundness, uh, but I also have circles around those three 103 buyers, so like you said, you know that there's, there's latent talent there. Uh, and again, off the jack, I just put a line through the last race. The horse had never run on grass. It looked like maybe they were trying something to see what they had, and uh, you know, I think you can throw it out. Well, while I have you here as one that, that likes to visualize and saw races, uh, we have two you know solid horses in Johannesburg Smile and Heart Heart Hoof, who are coming out of the same race at Toboggan. Was there anything you saw in that race that could lean us towards or away one of these horses? 
Well, other than those two, I thought it was a rather weak field. The third-place finisher, Sinai, is more of an optional claiming type than a true graded stakes horse. So these two are taking a rather big step up in class to face horses like Kama to the top, and if Smash is on his best, and even a horse like Saturday's Charm, who's very sharp right now. Also, the pace in the toboggan. It was extremely deliberate. Head, heart, hoof is a horse that can certainly rattle off 44s for the half mile. He was just sitting off of a a 46 half mile he took the lead turning for home and he was still all out to hold off johannesburg's smile you might give the advantage to johannesburg's smile because he was held up off that slow pace and came with a run uh, in the stretch but i think johannesburg's smile is a horse that wants a little bit more ground the pace is likely to be hot this time around which means headhart hoof's going to really be on the chase going after comer at the top that's going to compromise him and i think johannesburg's smile is just going to be out sprinted in the early portion of this race and then it comes up to uh, to trip luck for him if he's going to be able to either rally around everybody or through traffic i i just don't think he's a true sprint specialist he, he's a very very good horse but Fletcher, of course, is going to kill your price. So I think that they're taking step up in class, and the pace scenario is going to be much different this time around. All right. Well, thanks for your uh, your view of that. You know, I'm sure our, our listeners certainly appreciate it. I tell you what, we're on a roll. We're just going to keep going if that's okay with you, Dan. And I want to go to uh, what I feel has always been one of the, the, the best races, quite frankly, in, in history. And that's the Santa Anita handicap. When you go back and look at the who's who of, of horses that, that have, have won this race, uh, you, you'll find about a third of them in the Hall of Fame. And this, this year's edition uh, is not going to be a- any different. The, the one thing here is that there's only – this race, of course, it's at Santa Anita. It's a grade one, 750000 on the line. It's at the classic distance of a mile and a quarter. As I look at the three what, uh, horses that would obviously come to the top is the fact that – they are the only three that have won at a mile and a quarter. And, of course, I'm talking about Ron the Greek, Richard's Kid, and Game On Dude. Uh, and you've got hard to separate, and you can make a case cap. for any one of them. I want to hear what Dan Elman has to say. Yeah, I mean, you've got the last two winners here. Ron the Greek won it in 2012. Game On Dude won it in that really uh, traffic-filled uh, edition in 2011. And I agree with you. It's just one of the great historic races. The key to this race might simply be tactical speed and pace. Ron the Greek likes to run from the back of the pack. He is a long-winded horse and a mile and a quarter, as you mentioned, won't be a problem. Richard's kid is truly a one-run closer that's going to have to find some of his better form because quite frankly his last couple of races albeit one of them on the turf haven't been very good game on dude's record speaks for itself he's earned over three million dollars his affinity for the santa nita course six for seven uh, also speaks for itself but the fact that he is going to get the jump on these two horses likely into the far turn might spell uh, the difference in the race game on dude has great early speed and while the the number two horse in here, Handsome Mike, might try to go. Game on Dude's simply a better horse than Handsome Mike. And I would expect Mike Smith to, to send Game on Dude for home with about two and a half furlongs, open up on this field and say, listen, Ron the Greek or Richard's Kid, or even Call to Serve, who's a very good horse, yeah. uh, come and get me if you can. And I think the tactical advantage will be too great for Game on Dude. I know last time out he was 1-20 to 20 against three overmatched foes, but they made him run that day. They, they put another 
another horse out there to duel with him early, and Game On Dude put that horse away, and immediately Clubhouse Ride tried to make a run, and Game On Dude just shrugged him away as well, and he never felt the stick. Mike Smith barely moved on him. I hate to give out chalk, but this is a race where you've got several good horses, and I just think pace makes the race. And Game On Dude, I believe, firmly is going to be in front turning for home, and we'll see if one of the others can close him down. I wouldn't be surprised if there is a classic stretch confrontation with Ron the Greek. Well, I'm looking forward to this race. Uh, one head-scratcher for me, Dan, is uh, Doug O'Neill, who I definitely respect. Here he's got an 8-year-old horse, Richard's Kid, and he's taking the blinkers off. Well, I think he's going to do something to wake him up. I actually thought Richard's Kid ran quite well in the Breeders' Cup Classic when he was fifth behind Fort Larned. You know he's a one-run closer, and the way the track was playing that day with speed horses dominating, especially the Classic, it just didn't work to his advantage. But in the native diver, he didn't pick his feet up against Game on Duty. never made a run at all. He, he couldn't get past Kettle Corn, who finished 10 lengths in front of him, and Kettle Corn's not 10 lengths better than Richard's Kid. It was kind of odd to see him back on the grass in his most recent start, the San Marcos. Now the blinkers come off. Now, early in his career, Richard's Kid raced without blinkers. I'm talking all the way back in 2009 when he was still on the East Coast, <laughs> and he ran well without the blinkers. But I just think it's sort of a desperation move for a horse that might be slightly off form, and I'm a big Richards kid fan, but I think that if you're looking for the big three in here, it's certainly game on dude, it's, it's certainly uh, Ron the Greek, but maybe call to serve might be the third of the big three. He's in very, very sharp form right now. He's taking a step up in class, but he's been very good in his last few races. I mean, this is scary because I'm looking at my notes on him, and I have a huge circle around two things. Uh, number one, his last three works, absolutely spectacular. All three of them bullets. Hasn't been out since December. And the other thing is the guy that's been aboard him for those works is Gary Stevens, who just seems to be blessed right now. And Gary Stevens has been giving some great rides out in Southern California over the last few weeks. He uh, sent Slim Shady on a gate-to-wire mission in one of those turf marathons a couple of weeks back, and he put everybody to sleep, and he put Great Hot on the lead two weeks ago, and he put everybody to sleep. And it's like Gary Stevens has never been away, the comeback kid. Uh, called to serve as a horse that began his career in Southern California, nondescript style. He was gelded before a race in April of 2012, and immediately he won his maiden and went on a little bit of a roll. He had trouble three starts back when he was beating the nose. He was best that day, and he's just been very good and very fast in his last two races. He's a horse. If you're looking for a horse that might have a little bit of upside, we probably have already seen Game on Dude's best race, and we probably have already seen Ron the Greek and Richard's Kid's best race. Maybe we haven't seen Call to Serve's best race, and he's going to have to take a little bit of a step forward, but it's not entirely out of the question, and he's not a one-run closer like a Richard's Kid or a Ron the Greek. So maybe he'll be close to this pace. And if my memory serves me well, Gary Stevens has won more Santa Anita handicaps than any other jockey in the history of the race. I think he's won eight of them. All right, Dan, my producers tell me I've only got two minutes, so I don't want to take too much time away from the swale. Obviously, you're not going to get derby points for this race, but this has always been a starting off point for a lot of good horses. And uh, it looks to me like I'm going to guess whoever wins this race is going to try to punch his ticket in the Florida Derby. 
and uh, the, the horse that looks like the one to beat, again, I don't have odds in front of me, but he looks like the log- logical favorite is 40 tails. He certainly is. He ran well in the Hutchison last time out. He broke from the inside post, didn't seem comfortable at all on the rail. Once he got wide on the stretch and on the outside, he really started to roll. It looks like the number two merit man may scratch, however, and that may slow the pace down. 40 tails needs some pace, but he's a very talented horse. He draws outside here, and I think he's going to run them down in the stretch. He'd be my top pick over Gombe Dancer, a recent maiden winner for Eddie Keneally. Well, uh, all I can say, Dan, is I appreciate you so much taking the time being with us. I hope it won't be the last time. Hey, do you got any new books in the works or anything we need to know before we close out? Not yet. Just check out my blog on drf.com. Check out the weekend videos with Mike Beer. He's an excellent handicapper, and we'll do our best to give you some winners. Good luck this week. All right, thanks a lot, ladies and gentlemen. Dan Elman from the Daily Racing Forum. He's easy to find. You just got to go up on the Internet. He's all over the place with his blogs, his video, and his selections. I thank him so much for being on. And for Kenny McPeak, again, if you want to check out Kenny's uh, app, uh, Horse Races Now, uh, text the word horse and the number is 84700. I want to thank uh, our producer here on Winning Ponies D for getting me through another edition of the show. And I want to tell all you folks that there's uh, some outstanding information waiting for you on winningponies.com. Hopefully it will get you in the winner's circle. Remember, if you go to the races with a loved one this weekend, practice safe bets. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.